This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 255 of the Stacey West podcast. I am your host Ben and this week I'm joined by Charlie as Gary's poorly. How are you doing mate? Are you well? I am very well thank you. Yes Clearly a little bit better than Gary at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say I'm joined by you because Gary's ill. You're joined by me because he's ill. Um, I, I, yeah, a, An upgrade, of course. You see, I can say that Gary won't listen. <laughs> Many may disagree, including <laughs> myself. But look, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about everything else. How are you doing? Are you keeping well? Everything all good in Studentville? I am very well. I uh, I missed the game on Saturday because I had a lovely little breakaway over in over in Spain. I did catch up with the game. Ended up going to watch a game over in Gibraltar, uh, which was really really nice, and had a lovely little break. So, unfortunately, now back doing university work or what, pretending to do university work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate. But hey ho, I did the... get Tuesday night. Yeah, I was gonna say, was Gibraltar France? In Gibraltar? <laughs> no, was that? That, was, that, that one was in France. I know because it, it was the same night. So I, I was in Gibraltar whilst it was happening. And, yeah. Uh, we, you know, we, we were sat there in a casino in Gibraltar, me and a few friends of mine, and, and we're sat there just constantly checking our phones and it's 1-0, 6-0, 14-0. What's going on? Yeah. No, because I, I did see you were at a ground. I thought, oh, I wonder if he's at that game. And then I, I realised, no, that's probably in France, isn't it? But uh, Yes, it was. Not... Not quite as high scoring, but um, definitely, you know, a, a promising result was uh, the result away at Orient on Tuesday night. Um, obviously, you know, we, we've discussed kind of ad nauseum about the, uh, the, the the decision to postpone the game. And I, I did see that Gary had posted something about it saying that, uh, you know, he probably felt maybe a little bit grubby about the win. Um, I, I think I kind of... I kind of agree. I remember saying at the time uh, mm. to to the guys in the you know to you guys in the chat that I thought it I wouldn't have minded too much if the result had stood, but coming away from Tuesday night, uh, that 
feeling may have dissipated for for a short while um, until we came back down to earth because the Skubala era has its first victory, doesn't it, Charlie? It was an interesting one on Tuesday night. It really was. And I'll I'll just kind of start off with with what you were saying there. Um, I mean, we we were at the game together last Mm -hmm. time, weren't we? And obviously it got to a point where the game had been stopped for so long that we had both just sort of said, look, just call the game off, let them have the win, whatever. And whatever result, whatever decision the EFL would have made, there would have been people that weren't happy with it. And I understand that wholeheartedly. So, but at the same time, I think the club deserve a lot of respect for the way that they've acted. And Mm -hmm. I think that was something that um, Matt Reynolds, who is Derek Reynolds' uh, son, he made a point of saying, of kind of really praising Lincoln, obviously, and Orient. Uh, and I think that the minute silence was so perfectly observed by by everybody. And to be honest, as much as you can uh, dis- disagree or agree or whatever on whether or not the game should have been played, it was. It went ahead and everything was handled in the perfect way. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, you know, horrendous what happened. Nobody should ever go to, to football and not come back. And, and we all felt that heavily on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. But there was a game of football to be played. Um, so, you know, kind of moving on to the football. Yeah, look, the Skubala era has got its first win. I'm not going to start getting carried away just because just because <laughs> we managed to pick up uh, a number in the win column. But for me, the biggest thing is the fact that we've got this win, obviously only two games into his reign. It just means that you're not getting four or five games in without a win because as soon as you start doing that question, start getting asked and, then yeah. there's a little bit of pressure and it just makes the whole kind of situation uncomfortable mm-hmm. for Skibala. What he's managed to do is he's managed to get a win early on. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go through the game in a minute, I'm sure. There were there were some promising signs. There were definitely still things to work on. But on the whole, really, really impressed. I think I, I, I would probably say, I think you'd, Saying that you were overall impressed, I think probably puts a little bit too much on the second half. Um, I think the first half was uh, well, we were discussing it, and um, I think the way that I described it was that was certainly a forty-five minutes of football that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know there wasn't really anything to write home about. I think uh, Jack Vale had a, a just a little bit more than a half chance, I think you'd probably call it, where he, early on when he span round and, and sort of tested the yeah. keeper, um, obviously put the keeper under quite a bit of pressure, caused the keeper to to potentially make a few mistakes. I thought he was quite vulnerable to that. Yes. Um, you know, and sort of at one point having to, <laughs> to make a bit of a Cruyff turn away from him and, uh, you know, try and uh, not, uh, not to give the ball away there. But I, I don't think there was a huge amount to write home about, in fairness, from either side in the first half. I thought it was a, a, a functional game of football. There wasn't, you know, much going on either way. And, I, you know, whether that was the fact that the two teams cancelled each other out or neither neither of them really got going, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but I don't think we particularly looked like scoring in the first half and neither did Orient. So I, I think going in at nil-nil was, was probably fair. Um but, I would I would definitely agree with that. I think there were both teams were just limited to half chances at best. Yeah. But I think I, I think we've prob- probably to be fair, us and Orient have both got to, to kind of deserve credit for that. Because again, I just think the systems that were lined up, like you say, they probably did cancel each other out a little bit too much. Um 
and actually they were they were both just pretty solid. Uh, both teams were were happy to either have possession or were happy to not have possession at certain times. There was no kind of mass onslaught at any point in the first half. Um, it was sort of you know quite quite relieving when they got a corner within sort of the first minute or two and didn't score from it. Uh, that, got a, that got a good few that got a good few cheers from uh, from some of our fans. Uh, but yeah. it was just. It, it was just kind of little things like that that, like you say, it was functional. It was ticking the boxes. But actually, that's probably the first half, kind of, kind of a half of football that we needed at the minute um, yeah. against, you know, a, a team like that. And we probably had it in the first half against Stevenage. Maybe we were even better and created more chances. But we also never, I, you know, I've gone back and watched part the majority of that game now. Not all of it, but from what I can tell, it just looked like we maybe weren't quite as comfortable again. Uh, but I just felt that Tuesday it was it was a real chance for us to settle down, um, and that yeah. was the first time we've been able to do that in a while. Yeah, I think um, I mean there's obviously been um, you know uh, well Chris and Gary spoke about it on the on the pod at the weekend about the Stevenage game and said look there was a very different opinion from people that were at the game and people that were watching it um, from mm. afar. I think the the second half almost the first half of the orient game almost seemed to be a bit of a reaction to the uh, the second half at steven just say right we need to be either more measured or we need to you know just try and uh, potentially combat any physical threat and i don't think orient necessarily had any physical threat to the same level as as stevenage did um you know they they, they kind of want to play football in the right way to, you know, for, for want of a better quote. But I think it was, um, I think it was a difficult first half to get into for anybody. Um, and, that, and I think in all fairness with Orient, we can, we can kind of just excuse, you know, that they weren't actually with their strongest squad. They did have a couple of yeah, that's issues. Fair. You know, the fact that neither Jordan Graham nor Theo Archibald were, were starting and mm. they are chief creators for them. You know, yeah. they're, they're the reason why a Joe Pickett's able to get goals because they've got that kind of creativity on, on either wing. They are effectively playing as sort of wing backs, but they are that kind of driving attacking force in the wing areas of the of the pitch. And with that, then when you take them away, not saying that the replacements were bad, but when you then take those two sort of key components of a team away, a team's going to struggle. And I think that was one of the key differences between sort of this game against Leighton Orin and, for example, one of the the last game we saw against Leighton Orin. Hmm. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll put the first half to bed there because really I don't think there's yeah. anything... You know, the, the, there's not a huge amount to talk about. You look through the... I will... Oh, cool. Sorry, I, I, no, I just want to... <laughs> I just want to make one comment on... Uh, obviously, you mentioned their goalkeeper. Um mm-hmm. So playing himself into danger maybe one too many times. Uh, and, you know, he, he was probably quite lucky not to be punished by it. Uh, their goalkeeper obviously being Solomon Brin. Sol Brin being somebody who we were heavily linked with in the summer and mm. who I believe we were maybe trying to get after at one point. So I've got to be honest, as good as his footwork may have been in that little situation against Jack Bale, <laughs> The amount of times he, he he was sort of playing like that, I'm rather glad that we didn't end up going for him because I don't think I could handle that happening every game. <laughs> yeah, it would have probably be a bit uh, a bit frightening, wouldn't it? But mm. um, I mean, yeah. Let's. Uh, I mean, if you look at the, you know, if, if you look at the the incidents in the game, there wasn't really anything until 
a yellow card for Ethan Hamilton on, what was it, 34 minutes? So it kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? Although that does mean now that he's suspended for the weekend. Exactly. This is, this is, that is unfortunately a massive yellow card for, for Ethan Hamilton. Um, if I'm not mistaken, because am I right? It's because that was his 18th match of the season. I do believe that if he'd have managed to get through one more match, then suddenly it would actually be 10 yellow cards he needed to get suspended for a game. I believe yeah. he was 19. So I'm a little bit <laughs> annoyed at that one with uh, with Ethan Hamilton. Um, but at the end of the day, look, it, it happens. It just now means that we're not going to be able to start with the midfield duo that I believe have started every single league match for us. Uh, I'm sure somebody with a... Let me rephrase that. They have. I know that they have. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, obviously Hamilton's going to be suspended for Saturday, um, as is Paulie O'Connor, I believe, still suspended. Uh, but that would be his last game? Yeah. Yeah, so that would be his last game under yeah, suspension. Yeah, he's only done two. Cool. Right. So, yeah, moving on to the second half then. And it kind of sounds like, well, it certainly looked like there was a, a bit of a rocket put up them uh, mm. by Scabala because they came out and not maybe not to the extent that we've seen other teams do in the past, like, for example, Stevenage on Saturday, but they came out and they, they looked a little bit of a different side, didn't they? They came out and um, really started to to press the game and, and attack, which felt a yeah. bit strange at times. Now. I was kind of going to leave this this sort of part of the analysis to, to the end of the game, but seeing as we're kind of talking, I may as well just sort of go through it now. Look, Michael Skubala has come out and said as soon as he became manager at Lincoln City or, or head coach, you know, better get the word in right. I get told off for calling him a manager by uh, Mr. Chris Ashton. Um, <laughs> but look, Michael Skubala said he wants to play really exciting football. He wants to attack. Yes, okay, sometimes that might leave us slightly exposed at the back, but he wants to be able to... Yes, get people off of their seats. And I know how many times have you heard this before, all of that. <laughs> but he's really want, clearly wanting to make an effort to do that. Now, that's not going to happen overnight. No. And I just thought, though, I mean, the second, the first half as well, and then I think specific, specifically the kind of 15 minutes before, between halftime and where the substitutions were made. I think we were trying to get forward. But again, I just feel like we were looking a little bit void of ideas and attack. There were certain opportunities, yes, but we just didn't seem to have too much creative flair there. Um, mm. I just, I just felt that we were we were lacking a little bit too much in attack, and I don't think that's at all a fault of necessarily the players, the system, or anything. I just think it's kind of a, a combined thing. And also, the Tuesday night game, we're in a bit of a, a, a long run currently. Of, so, and I know. You know, this is only the second match in a row in terms of Saturday, Tuesday, but we're at the start of a long run. Um, you know, we, we won't have a Tuesday off until I believe sort of the 12th, 13th of December. So we have got quite a run going. Mm. I just think everything overall, we seemed like we wanted to get forward. We were trying to make this forward pass, not always coming back, but sometimes there just wasn't necessarily the, the ability and the creative flair there for it to happen. But... Again, I, I, I will definitely give them praise. It's obviously come from the management. So there's obviously some kind of philosophical change within the, the the group at the minute to get the ball forward. They were consistently trying it, as you said. I think Dylan Duffy, um, you know, we, we didn't mention at the start of this, but Dylan Duffy started as left wing back. Mm -hmm. Now, it was a role that he played against Port Vale as well, if I remember correctly. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought he was good that game. But again, I just thought that he was a little bit lacking. He was kind of stuck out wide. And the only thing he could really do was cross the ball. It just didn't really look like he, he could do much else in that game. Although I still think he played well. Now, against Leighton Orion, I felt like he was actually trying to get into the game a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, cut, cut inside a little bit or create more space for himself and not necessarily just run down the touchline, cross the ball in, because then it, it's just too easy to read. So mm. I thought he did really, really well. And he was one of our more attacking threats in that kind of first 60 minutes. But then actually him coming off and the substitutions that were made, not necessarily, it wasn't because he came off, but I think the substitutions that were made definitely made a massive difference for us. Um, and that's because Jack Burroughs came on, probably gave us a little bit of defensive solidity more down that side so that we could then attack more on that side with the substitution that was made, which was then Dan- Danny Mandroyo on for Hakiba Delican, because I don't think Hakiba was very good personally. No, I think that's the one that really changed the game. Um, it was. Mandroyo came on and he he started to look a lot like the Mandroyo that we were seeing start the season. Um, you know, mm. he, he, he came on, he looked hungry, he looked... Um, he looked like he had a fire in his belly, um, and he, he wanted to get on the ball and he wanted to make the difference. You know, he was uh, he, he was encouraging people to to make the run and find the space. And you know, when they did find the space, he was able to get the pass to them. Um, I think one thing that was really interesting uh, in the first half, mainly, but then a little bit in the second half until I think uh, I think he came on. There was quite a lot of misplaced passes. Um, in well across the whole team, which is something that I've not not really seen too much of. I mean, usually, if a usually the vision's there and the, the pass gets played, but it's cut out or it's blocked or you know there, there's something in the way of the pass. But a lot of the time on on Tuesday night in the first half, it, it definitely seemed like you know there was just a, a ball being played out of touch or played into touch rather, and it's like. What's going on there? It felt really strange, but that kind of, you know, started to started to turn itself around in the second half when, when I'm gonna, I'm just gonna maybe defend the player slightly there. Now I I don't know, right? And I I'm purely speculating just as anybody else who'd be talking about this is. But wouldn't surprise me if that was necessarily because a, a lot of passes are made when a mm. player isn't necessarily even looking at where that player is, but they they, they know yeah, it's right. muscle memory. They just they they know it's instinct that the player is going to be there. But if we're trying to play a slightly different system, yes, okay, it might be the same formation. We might line up the same from a goal kicker from kickoff. But if we're trying to play a slightly different system, players are being asked to to maybe work slightly different roles under a new manager. Could that necessarily mean that the players aren't where other players expect them to, and it's then just part of the learning process over the next week or two? I don't know. Yeah. Purely speculation, but I would maybe just excuse the players for some of that. But I definitely agree with you. I think uh, Aaron, I noticed a couple of times. I, th- mm. I think we notice it more when it's something like Ethan when it's, because, yeah, <laughs> because you don't ever expect him to misplace a pass. So then mm. when he does, it automatically sticks in your brain. It's obviously confirmation bias at its finest, isn't it? Uh, so you just <laughs> yeah. very much then remember it. Yeah, but... Um... I mean, look, I, I think we, we really started to push the game and um, take it to Orient for a bit in the second half. I thought, as the game went on, I thought if anybody's going to score, it's probably going to be us. And then all hell broke loose for about 10 minutes. Um, and it just turned into a basketball game, didn't it? It was absolutely end-to-end stuff. Um, 
Jovan McCarmer, of course, came on. Uh, and to be fair to Jovan, I thought he had a really good impact. I thought he was looking, um, you know, he's, he, he seems to have responded to a bit of criticism that he's had uh, from some sections. And I think, um, I, I don't know, again, pure speculation, but obviously, you know, we, we had the um, the assumption that something had been said by Mark Kennedy to, to Joven before, given some of his comments in an interview. Mm-hmm. But it definitely seemed like he'd been given a bit of a new lease of life and, and basically told by Marcus Cabala to, to kind of, you are a unit, use that presence, you know, use that and press the striker, press the defenders. And once you've got hold of the ball, make sure you don't bloody lose it because, you know, you have the ability, you've got the pace and you've got the power to kind of stay, you know, hold the ball up. And if you can't, you know, if you've got your back to goal, make sure that somebody else who is facing the goal can get the ball and, and pull a shot off. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, th- I, I, I no, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think Joven, he, he's obviously got a point to prove, as has every single player currently in the Lincoln City squad. Um, I think my criticism of Joven, I think he's always been brilliant off the ball. And yes, he is an absolute unit. And I think his ability to use that is only getting stronger. It's just his technical ability on the ball that I, I sometimes find is lacking. I think some of his decision-making is also a little bit poor. Um but he had a he had an absolutely fantastic chance. Mm-hmm. Potentially dragged it a little bit wide. Maybe could have looked in the box. There was a player running in. I, could, I, I think I it was Hamilton. Right. I'm going to say I was trying to watch the high sort of highlights. I couldn't make out who it was. Um, yeah. Maybe he could have done better in that scenario. Dragged it a bit wide. Took the shot wide. Whatever. I just again I struggle to necessarily see where. Joven would be able to fit into this team, especially in the short term. But, but I think if he can work on his technical ability, there's a position there for him. He's just got to be able to to make that next step. And he's a young lad. He's going to improve. Yeah. Time will tell. I think that's the key thing for me is, you know, he, he is a, a young player and he's going to be, he's going to get better. He's going to develop. And it's whether the development happens being on the fringes of the of the Lincoln City first team or whether that happens, you know, going out on loan somewhere. At the moment, going out on loan isn't really an option given our situation with, you know, people who've got out. Um, I think once people are back, maybe we might see Joven go out in uh, in December or January. But I think going back to that chance, I mean, I, I think that was the, was that the same chance where he, he, he sh- sort of shrugged his man off on the, uh, on the halfway line. Um, and, and yeah. round three, or was that another one? Because it no, 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 no. Got, that was that was the, the one. He he yeah. sort of shrugged him off, but then I'm not sure if actually the, the defender just slipped on his own. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like when when it, it it looked like he was either offside or he'd fouled the player, but yeah, it neither was true. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely wasn't offside. Um, although he probably could have been because the lino on Tuesday night was god-awful. I'm sorry, but that lino on the far side, the near side from where the camera was, the far side from where us away fans was, he did not put his flag up or get... No. Woeful. Absolutely woeful. No. Uh, Where was it? I believe I actually said... Uh, oh no! It was. I think it was another game. I must have said at some point okay. in our group chat when I said, "What exactly is the point in assistant referees in this yeah. division at this point?" Because it's just 
they don't seem to give anything. And nine times out of ten, if it goes out for a throw-in, they'll wait for the referee to point their arm. And yeah, but anyway, look, different kettle of fish, different story for another day. Um, Ethan Hamilton. Yeah, I'll say <laughs> Ethan Hamilton essentially playing the last what 15, 20 minutes as as essentially a second striker, wasn't he? Kind of just playing just behind and. Uh, I thought his goal was a really, really clever finish. The fact that he, you know, yeah. he could have had the shot on his right, but he, he managed to spin it away, get the shot away on his left foot, um, and pull it back across the goal, as opposed to you know firing it into the left hand corner. I thought it was a really neat finish. Um, not the most powerful of shots that he'll ever score, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it got enough on it to uh, to get it past the keeper and into the back of the net to send us all home happy. You know, I was I was chatting with with somebody at the uh, service station on the way down there Tuesday, and we were, we were just talking about you know the Scabala era and all this, and we we're talking about the game, and we we're saying, um, I, and, and I genuinely thought that we'd be able to go there and maybe get a couple of goals because I didn't necessarily know about their injury crisis before. You know, I say crisis, you know, that their injuries and such beforehand. So I thought they were going to really come at us, which would leave space out for us to to be nice and expansive and all this. So I thought we'd be able to show our best kind of attacking qualities on Tuesday night. Didn't necessarily work out that way, but somebody turned around and said to me, well, yeah, but where's the goals going to come from? I says, Ethan Hamilton. <laughs> I just, I feel like he is going to be up there in terms of goals for us this season mm. because some of the runs he's making into the box, we already mentioned that one with Joven earlier. Some of the runs he's making into the box, the fact he could hit it from, from sort of outside the area, the fact he's able to create himself, mm. I, I'm really, really impressed with Hamilton overall. And actually, I think his goal scoring is going to be a big plus for us this season. Like I said, really nice goal, really smart finish. But I also want to give a good bit of credit actually to Joven. So yep. it was Joven managed to hold up the ball in the first instance, play the ball mm-hmm. off to Lars Sorensen, who then obviously made the pass to Ethan Hamilton. But then what Joven did was he made sure to take two defenders away at the time. So, okay, yes, they weren't necessarily opening up this massive pathway for for Ethan Hamilton to go through one Chris, on one. is that you? <laughs> Different type of pathway, really. You know. <laughs> um, but although they weren't kind of opening up this corridor, there you go, for, for Ethan Hamilton to be able to go through one on one to the keeper, what he did was he then meant that the, all the defenders couldn't just suddenly pounce on Ethan Hamilton and, and block the route to goal in terms of a shot. So, really, really impressed with some of his positioning. And again, it's praising his off the ball work, which I think there's no, there's no, doubt that he is outstanding at. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it, it basically ended up being a bit of bit of table tennis until the end of the game, but credit's got to go as well to Lucas Jensen. I thought oh, absolutely. he was by far man of the match on Tuesday night. Um, you know, we, we we can sit here and talk about the fact that I personally, I feel we deserve the three points on Tuesday, um, but it could have been a totally different proposition because... You know, Jensen kept us in it with a couple of stunning saves, and there was one literally just before the goal, wasn't there? I know Gary's yeah. Gary's made the comparison to it in his uh, in his article about Tuesday night on the site, um, where it it felt a little bit like the MK Dons away game when we, the year we won the league, where yeah. you know Matt Jokes makes that save, and then two minutes later we're in raptures at the away end. Um, but it, it probably wasn't oh, quite what a game. God, <laughs> one of the best away days I've ever had. Um, yeah. yeah, it wasn't quite the same level of rapture, but I mean, it just a, a really, really solid performance from Jensen. And I think 
he's again he's another one that's coming for some criticism particularly around his distribution but he's got his head down and he's worked and I, I just think we've got we've actually got a very very solid league one keeper on our hands yeah I I've had my doubts with the not as an overall goalkeeper but I've just had a little kind of niggles with with Jensen this season where I just felt he could have been better in certain areas I, I remember one I was stood with uh, with Roy uh, you know a good friend of the pod at Portsmouth away and mm-hmm. the, a cross had come in or whatever it was and Jensen just did not have command of his area he didn't have command of the, the defenders in front of him uh, he was sort of moaning at them for being stood in the wrong place and blocking his doing all this and it just seemed a little bit disjointed and yeah. I think Yes, okay, you can talk about the managerial situation at that point or whatever, but in terms of that particular scenario, the book has to stop with the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper has to have command of his, especially six-yard box. Um, So, so, And then there was just a couple of moments, you know, we can talk about the fact the amount of set pieces were conceded. Yes, okay, a lot of that's going to be down to defence and set-up as well, but sometimes goalkeeping positioning has to be questioned. Hmm. But I do think that his shot-stopping ability is outstanding, and actually, I think his distribution, I've never really had an issue with his distribution. I think it's been, people have made a a point of his distribution very early on when they had mm. a very, very small sample size. And then it's just stuck with it. Again, confirmation bias. I think overall, I've really rated Lucas Jensen and I don't think there's an issue uh, an issue in any necessary part of his play. There are maybe certain things that obviously you want to see him improve on, but I won't say a single finger is an issue. And I definitely agree. The fact we've managed to bring him in on a permanent, considering yep. that's a position we've always had on a loan, it's. I think we're starting to see the benefits of that now come you know November. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we're about to sort of move on from Orient, but I do want to just highlight. Um, Obviously, you know we've spoken recently about uh, about Freddie Draper and um, Rob from the Yellow Ribbon Podcast, who we spoke to. Um, he was at the game on Tuesday night as his wife is an Orient fan. Um, he dropped me a message to say that um, uh, he, what's the wording is used? Uh, Draper is more suited to the style that your manager wants from you now than you had tonight. Uh, I was sat next to the away dugout, and Skibala wanted the players to press, which is Draper's game. So. It, it well, yeah, that kind of bodes poorly for 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 poor old Rob. Um, who <laughs> you know, if you've seen the short on TikTok or YouTube, uh, it, it you know, I mentioned that we could recall him, and it broke his poor little heart. Bless him. <laughs> um, but look, we'll move on. Obviously, you know, the first three points under Scubala on Tuesday night, and um, solid. I think overall it was deserved. Um, it wasn't spectacular. Wasn't you know, the, the kind of performance that's going to blow teams away week in, week out. But I think it was relatively solid. Um, and I was overall pretty pretty pleased with that result. Yeah, definitely agree. I think it, there was certainly evidence in there of where we wanted, where we wanted to yeah. go. There was evidence in there of the positives that we've already had, especially in kind of the last 18 months. Yeah. So it was, it was a really good transition win. Um, look, we, we spoke a lot at the early parts of the season about not wanting to look at the table and all of this. I think at this point, we're 18 matches in. If you're not looking at the table, it's just a little bit silly. I think mm. you've got to put it into context. But for us, the context is really, really positive. We're currently one point behind one point behind the playoffs. Yes, OK, different teams have played different amounts of games and all this. But we're one point behind the playoffs, sat in ninth, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And that's with a managerial change. That's with a month with an interim manager. 
That's with a striker injury situation. That's with wingers that you know we don't really have much of at the minute. That's with Akiba Delican being out from the cold and coming back in and being one of our top goal scorers. Uh, considering all of the facts, the fact that we're still sat in such a high position, it's only a positive that we can take. 100%, absolutely. So look, one positive that we do have to look forward to slightly is uh, that we still have the likes of Lewis Monsman to come back. And that does lead us very nicely onto a question that we've had from friend of the pod, Paul. Um, so he's uh, admittedly, he's asked for Gary's take on this, but unfortunately, Paul, you've got mine and Charlie's because Gary's not very well. Um, so don't don't that, worry, Paul, I'll, I'll give you my one. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you bastard uh, this is, uh, when match fit where do you see Lewis Monsma fitting into Michael Skibala's plans from what we've seen it appears that he prefers a back four rather than a three with wing backs given, uh, given Lewis's range of passing and his ability to quickly switch play with a diagonal ball I can see him playing alongside Ethan Arahan he's certainly comfortable enough on the ball which would allow Hamilton to play further forward and utilise his goal threat out of possession, Lewis could always drop deeper and effectively have three centre-backs. Now, thoughts on that, Charlie? Because I have a couple. Oof, right, well, look, first of all, loving the little outside-the-box thinking there, but it's the exact sort of thing that I, I would be sat there thinking of as well, and I really like the idea. Now, first of all, we'll mention the fact that Lewis Monsmer. We don't have a time frame, but we know that he's nowhere near the grass. And we know that last time it, he was out on the grass for, for at least a month and a half before he got anywhere near the first team in terms of minutes. So even absolute best case scenario, we won't be seeing him until the end of January. I would probably expect it to be considerably later than that personally. But we'll have to obviously wait and see on that uh, and see how that kind of progresses. Um, look, the role the role that you're kind of just describing there is, is a libero role so it's where obviously like you say center back uh, starts as a center back you know in if you were sort of writing the formation out they technically start as a center back and then in possession move up into the midfield to like i said maybe play alongside ethan Arahan. now personally i don't see it happening the only reason i'm saying that is i think that we've got really capable midfielders as as is mm-hmm. now we had this discussion in, in the uh, group chat when Des Buckingham was linked and we had a kind of big discussion about what kind of positions... Uh, no, 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 no. You had a, you, okay, you had a crisis okay, I, and I you, went, you got us involved with the discussion. Okay, I went a little bit overboard. But <laughs> there, was, there was a discussion made anyway about what could happen if we played a 4-3-3. And obviously now this is the formation that we think, some, also at least something similar, something of that ilk, is what Michael Skibala might want to play. Now for me... I 100% agree with what you're saying, Paul, about wanting to utilise uh, Ethan Hamilton's goal threat. I've already mentioned it today on the pod. But I actually think he's best suited to a box-to-box midfield role, a midfield role where actually he can play next to Ethan Arahan. And in certain games, he will maybe support Ethan Arahan def- you know, defensively and make sure that we've got a solid midfield base. But in certain games, he can lead Ethan Arahan to maybe play as a, as a sole kind of midfield roaming defensive midfielder on his own, whilst Ethan Hamilton then goes forward and pushes him as, as an attacking eight. That's how I see those two lining up next to each other. And then I think we bring in another midfielder. Now, not necessarily buying one, you know, I mean, utilising who we've got in the squad. 
Now, that could mean playing a number 10, so it being more of a 4-2-3-1 and playing, let's say, a, a Danny Mandroyu in the 10. Or even if it was a number 8, an attacking 8, it means we could utilise somebody like uh, Alistair Smith and we can use his attacking capabilities, which we're trying to use at the minute, but he's been kind of shunted out wide and there are some yeah. games where he's a little bit isolated, he's not really in the games, um, but we can bring him central and put him in his more natural position. Also means we can maybe utilise a Teddy Bishop in that position as well, or at least off the bench, so that he can actually do something. Um, it could also mean that e- even if we were to have more of a flat, flatter midfield three, so it was technically a 4-3-3, you could even have Danny Mandroy there, because I think he would be capable of playing in an attacking eight role next to a box-to-box Ethan Hamilton, so that, yes, he can do some defensive duties if called upon, but still be able to be a real attacking presence. I really, to be honest, don't see Lewis Montsmer taking up the, that role, although I'm not at all saying that it wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, we know his sort of on-the-ball ability, his long diagonal passes, but actually I think they're probably just as well utilised in a centre-back in a two uh, as they are in you know, a, a midfield three, especially if we're wanting to play more attacking, maybe play out defence at times, maybe try and play sort of wide, expansive football. If we're able to ping a pass from right centre half to left wing, suddenly opens the game up. I think that's just as important as if he was playing alongside, if he was kind of pushing forward uh, in attack. The, obviously, the only issue is if we then go to a flat back four, um, is what happens to our centre backs? Because Pordy O'Connor, you know, let's. Yeah. He's not going to get dropped. Pordy's our club captain. It's going to take a lot for him to get dropped. Adam Jackson, he has been absolutely outstanding all season. I wouldn't want him dropped. Alex Mitchell, I love Alex Mitchell. Really don't want him to get dropped either. But we're not going to be able to play all three. Right back, is Lars Sorensen going to be capable of playing at right back? He used to play right back before he moved to midfield, before we then moved him to wing back. So it's a position that he has played, he's natural playing, but I don't necessarily think he enjoys it. Then left-back, is Sean Rowan going to play left-back? That's fine, but then obviously it means that we're playing then two right-footed centre-backs as the two centre-halves. Not necessarily an issue. Uh, but then, is Sean Rowan going to be perfectly capable at left-back? Where does Jack Burrows then fit in? Is he going to be able to play one of the two full-back roles? There are so many questions about how we could set up that, to be honest... I don't know is the total answer. I don't <laughs> know because I really enjoy it, but yeah. I wouldn't necessarily th- be moving sort of Lewis Montsmer's role it- around just for him because I think we've got so many players that are capable of playing those kind of defensive six positions if you then include those two midfield roles. Yeah, I think um, my thoughts are primarily that it's a possibility that he could do, but I don't think he will because we have the personnel in every other department, you know, to, to carry out the roles that are being required or being asked of them, sorry. Um, personally, I think if we, you know, if we are moving to the sort of four at the back, three in midfield, and whether it's two wingers and a, you know, a striker or, a, you know, number 10 and two strikers or two behind the striker, whatever, however we're going to be lining up, I think we have enough players to, to fill those spots and <laughs> I I can't really see um I just can't see anybody sorry, I can't see Lewis knocking anybody out of them uh, their midfield spot. I think the point you make about, you know, your our attacking midfield options, we have the likes of, you know, 
Teddy Bishop when fit. We have Danny Mandroyu. We have Ali Smith available to us. You know, if they're playing as two behind the striker, suddenly Ethan Hamilton's goal threat isn't necessarily a thing that comes to the fore. It's kind of a nice option to have, but yeah. you're not pushing him up. The, uh, you're not going to be pushing him at the top of the pitch just to, you know, potentially accommodate. Lewis Montsma coming into the uh, into the midfield. Um, I, I, again, I can see the sense. I can see the you know the, the reasoning behind it and say, look, like say that sort of libero role where you've got as he drops back, as we you know lose possession, then yeah, sure enough, it, it becomes more of a back five. But I, I don't really see it fitting at the moment. As for where he fits into the the setup it, it, as a whole, I don't know. Um, you see, you see, my we, my big thing there, obviously, like you say, we. We've mentioned how we've got the personnel f- to fill those roles anyway. So, could it be a really good option towards the end of the season if injuries or whatever happen? Then, sure, of course it could be. Yeah. But if we're not going to have Lewis Montsman back before the end of January transfer window, we're not going to set ourselves up in terms of personnel to expect to play him in this role. No. We're going to be setting ourselves up to maybe bring in a, a lone player, maybe bring in a player or two or whatever to fill the gaps that we've got in the squad as if Lewis Montsman doesn't really exist. And I know that's a really horrible thing to say, mm. but from what I can gather, Lewis's contract's out in the summer. Are we going to extend it? That's a massive question. Nobody knows. I don't necessarily think we will, but that's pure speculation. So we're not going to set up for Lewis Montsman realistically when we're, we're, we're quite clearly building for the future as we have done with all the permanent signings this season. Yeah, well, it's certainly an interesting one, um, one that uh, will need to be figured out. You know, where does he fit as a puzzle piece in the in the big picture of everything? But that's probably going to do us for the first half of the show. We're going to disappear for an ad break. Um, I don't know where the ads have been coming from recently, but uh, you know, I'll be sure to. I'll be, I'm sure somebody will tell me where it's from. So uh, we will see you on the other side of a word from our sponsors. 
Barnsley come into town. I think uh, you know they they got off to an absolute flyer in the league. They are sixth at the moment. They're one point ahead of us. They've got the same amount of goals scored away as we've got goals scored at home. So by all accounts, it should be a tight game. But who knows what's going to happen? They've just been thrown out of the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> what Why couldn't reckon- that have been Morecambe? <laughs> What do you reckon, Charlie? How do you think? How do you see this one going on Saturday? Right, this one is a really, really interesting one. Now, Barnsley. Obviously, we know Barnsley had a really good season last season, um, getting into the playoffs, getting to the playoff final, and only losing out in the hundred twenty third minute. So, although not many people necessarily expected them to be within the top two this season, a lot of people still expected them to be within the top six. Um, like you say, they had a cracking start to the season. Let's bear in mind that they won 7-0 at home on the first game of the season. But actually, I've not necessarily been that impressed with them at all points. I was actually not impressed with them when they played at the bank back in April as well. I understand that was last season, though, but I thought they were a really poor side. Now, yes, they've picked up results this season, but they've Win, you know, they, they haven't had a win in the last couple of games. They, they lost 3-0 away to Derby in their last League One match. Now, you know, granted, that was, what, t- two weeks ago because of the match postponement. But they set up in a sort of either a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-2. They've got quality in terms of players, but I think this is a game that we're able to take advantage of. I just think that some of the quality that we've got is going to be able to shine through against some of the quality that they've got. I think, okay, yes, they've got good, they've got solid midfield options. I was going to say, actually, but both of our Ethans are potentially better, but then I realised that one of them isn't even got one. playing. <laughs> um, which is, of course, a little bit frustrating. They've got good attacking options. Devante Cole scored 11 goals this season, but then their next highest scorer is on three. Three, now, yeah. Okay, granted... Our highest scorer in the league is also on three. Um, so we can't necessarily be taking that two for... No, it's, uh, it's three for Hakeem, Ethan, and last it's four in all competitions. Uh, okay, sorry, I was thinking... Yeah. I thought I had to oh, yes. four. Yes, no, I was, I was just going off uh, the league there. But yeah, they've got a goal scorer in Devante Cole, but if, you're, if they're, you're then struggling to get service to him... Then they're going to they're going to struggle to to under, to find where the goals are coming from. Now Max Waters, that their other striker, I've always highly rated Max Waters. We've been linked with him before, I'm almost certain, and it's a signing that I'd have been really happy for us to make. But obviously, it hasn't happened. They've got the likes of Adam Phillips. They've got they've got real good quality. I mean, Callum Styles playing in midfield, he has no right to be in League One, a cracking cracking player. But I'm saying all of this, I just can't help but think that we're going to have the quality to give them a really, really good game. Now, they're not a team that are necessarily that high pressing this season. They're willing to allow the opposition to have the ball. Now, that's something that in the past would have probably scared us because we've always been better when teams come at us and are 100% intensity for most of the game and we're able to hold off, hold off, be robust and get a counter-attack. This season, and I I just think that this is going to be a perfect game for, for Michael Scupala because it might end up being a very, very similar game to Tuesday night. But this time we're going to be home. We're going to have the home atmosphere constantly pushing our players. We're going to have, you know, s- certain players back. Obviously, unfortunately, Ethan Hamilton will be missing out. 
But I've got a feeling that we're going to be able to show off some of the attacking intent that we clearly want to. Even if there is no change in system or anything like that, we may set up in the exact same way. But I, it might just be me being stupidly optimistic, but I've got a feeling this game could go a little bit like Charlton. Potentially, yeah. I mean, you're so optimistic you've knocked something over on your desk, which is I have. Always, yeah. always good. Uh, I, was, I was hoping you didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but look, earlier on today, um, we'll, we'll get the opposition view, because earlier on today, I had the chance to speak to Josh from Red All Over, um, a Barnsley podcast, decent YouTube channel, you know, go check them out if you can. Um, and I asked him about, you know, how Barnsley have been setting up and, and what it's uh, what it's allowed other teams to do and how we could potentially exploit that. So take it away, Josh. I'm Ethan Arahon, and you're listening to the Stacey West Podcast. It's been really, really strange. So in the few times where we have pressed aside, um, we pressed Cambridge in the first half against them and went four and went four, four nil up in about 35 minutes. And when we're three nil down against Portsmouth, um, we started pressing in the second half, brought it back to three two, and by the end of it, we actually had a chance of um, scraping a point back. But the way in which we set up with this ten, it seems to defensively it doesn't work as the way in which I thought it would do in terms of the 10 sort of dropping in to make a three and making it hard for the back three to pass out or or the back four depending on who we're playing and I think what we seem to be doing is sort of sitting back in our structure and sort of letting the other side come on to us which especially at home it's not working because sides expect us to go and attack them whereas defensively we're not trying to nick it high up but then we end up caught in this weird situation of we've sat we've, we've sat back but there's massive holes left and right in terms of the wing backs sort of having to cover that half space that you'd expect the um tend to help um fill and then we get caught um down the flanks really really easy i know recently when we shipped three against horsham every single goal came down that right hand side um by them just pin, uh, pinning a winger as far wide as possible and our wing back not picking up center half not moving across as well and it just we got uh, a team that's down in seventy and ran right against us on that right hand side. So it's been really, really weird. I think at the minute the problem Collins has got is that Luca Connell's out, who's probably going to be the heartbeat of the team when he comes back. Um, and I think from that point we'll probably shift back more to that three-one-four-two rather than um, one in the hole um, behind um, is what we'll probably end up doing. And then we've got the opportunity to emulate. Um, how he played last season with a high press. But I think until he's back, I don't think Collins trusts any of the midfielders we've got to play in that holding role the, the same way in which Luke Connell can play it. Um, so at the minute, we've got Callum Styles in the 10 instead, which it works for us, but he doesn't pick up the ball in that half space in which you'd expect him to operate in um, as much as what he should do to allow us to play a little bit quicker and a bit faster. So I think that's the reason for the slow build-up play is just player availability more than anything else. But it's... It's not nice on the eye um, necessarily, and I think it's not passing um, many fans' sort of eye test at the minute. Results are there, but the way in which we're playing, it's not. It's not an exciting style of, fo- of football, especially coming off the back of last season, where we were winning and playing a style that it gets you out. You see, you're going to get opportunities in a game. We're going to we're going to be applauding big 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 tackles on uh, other teams' defenders whilst winning the ball up high. That's not happening this season. I think it's it's starting to work its way into the fan base. I've been like, is Neil Collins the right person and uh, to take us forward and take us to that next step? But there's so much sort of context around it that it almost feels a bit too soon to judge. 
Hi, I'm Lars Sørensen. You're listening to the Stacey West podcast. And there we go. That was Josh uh, telling us about Barnsley. I think the chat that I've had with him, the full full chat is available on YouTube. So uh, go check it out because there's some really interesting things that he had to say, particularly around what you said um, a little bit earlier about not having uh, the just not pressing teams, you know, that they seem to sit off the back line of a, of a team as soon as they get the ball um, and let them do what they want with it and wait for a mistake. Um, that was essentially what Josh was saying to me earlier. And what he was also saying is that, you know, they, they're quite happy to sit back and be patient with it and, you know, pass the ball out, pass the ball across the back four, pass the ball through the thirds and, you know, pass it back if need be. They don't often seem to be in a rush, but when they do flick the switch and when they do put the foot down on the pedal, you know, Devante Cold, a, a, a beast. Um, he's, he's managed to, you know, like you say, score 11 goals this season so far. Um, and looking back at some of those goals, it, it, they're not, all easy finishes, you know. He scored some really, really nice goals, and he's uh, he's got a, he's got a lot about him. Seems to be almost the perfect striker for for League One, um, which you know is definitely interesting. You mentioned Max Waters there. Obviously, they had him on loan last season. He's come back on a permanent. Um, Josh was saying to me that he's he seems to be a, very much a confidence player who is low on that at the minute. Um, he doesn't seem to have. Uh, well, he doesn't doesn't seem to have much in the way of belief when he goes forward. You know, he, he will look for a pass rather than look for a, a route to goal, um, which sometimes isn't necessarily what you want from your number nine. You know, you want him to to get forward, and he doesn't. Uh, he, he's not one hundred percent sure if Collins is trying to find a a, a decent partnership or somebody to partner mm. Cole, uh, with Cole. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely seems like um, that there is an opportunity there. Um, and I think the fans have, have slightly soured. Uh, I think you, you know Josh was telling me that the the relationship between the fans and the board hasn't been the best over the past few years. Um, it just about gotten back on track, and then Tuesday happened. Um, you know mm-hmm. they, they they had the issue with the FA Cup, and uh, yeah, it seems to have soured slightly um, since then. But look. It's going to be a hell of an interesting game. I'm absolutely buzzing for the atmosphere because I know a sold-out uh, Stacey West End usually means that there's going to be uh, a lot of a lot of atmosphere between the two sets of supporters. Obviously, Skubala's first home game. I'm hoping that brings in a decent home crowd as well. Um, I'm just intrigued to see how we can line up because the the like you said. Uh, well, one thing that Josh did mention actually was when they played uh, Horsham. Um, mm. He said that Horsham really managed to find, uh, exploit, uh, you know, the, the space in their um, in their their flank, where they were sort of not because they weren't necessarily pressing. They they kind of just had the defenders a little bit higher up the pitch naturally. Yeah. And it yeah. allowed Horsham to to run in behind and really exploit, you know. The the I think you said the right wing particularly. Um, so who's who's get, that going to work for? Yeah, exactly. Get crosses in the box, you know. So um, I think it could be the last Sorensen show on Saturday. Um, given again, you know, we were saying about um, they tend to try and get down the left quite a lot as well. So I think Lass has got, Lass has got his work cut out for him on Saturday, um, and let's hope he's up to it. You see. My my only kind of thing because I you know I've got the stats up and such. 
and you know they are second best in the league in terms of points away goal from scored, home this yeah. season. Well, goal, goal score, but points away from home as well. That they've been really, really impressive. Um, in fact, they're, they're quite low down in terms of the the home league table, but the away league table that like I said that they are second. But at the same time, I can't help but think that from a Lincoln point of view, the four book goes out the window Saturday. Yeah, the the tactics book goes out the window because every single Lincoln City player is going to want to be putting in more than 100%. Mm-hmm. And yes, okay, you can say that you want that from every single game, but you're never going to realistically be able to get that. They are all humans working at the end of the day. And yes, as much as you want them to always be at their very best, it's not going to happen. It's not going to always be the case. But what you've got is you're going to have 9,000 fans there. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Lincoln fans wanting to see a Michael Skubala team. You're going to have Lincoln fans wanting to see Michael Skubala getting his first home league victory. You're going to have the players wanting to be able to give that. There was a massive amount of unity on Tuesday night. The fact that so yeah. many of the players, I don't know if you saw it on the camera, but the fact that so many of the players ran over to Michael Skubala as soon as they scored and celebrated with him, with Tom Shaw. There's a real unity that's being created again within the football club. It's something mm. that people have cried out for. And people only thought that we were going to get that if we brought in a certain two brothers. <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. No. I just really hope that the players on the pitch are going to be able to reward the fans and reward the management that have clearly put faith in them um, on on Saturday. And I'm really, really looking forward to the game that's going to unfold, both, uh, you know, the atmosphere off the pitch, but also the game of football on the pitch. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be a little bit of an end-to-end game. I think we're going to be able to have some chances. And I think it's going to be, I think it's also going to be one of those where actually the second half is better again than the first half, just Mm. because, they are willing to sit back and such in the first half. We'll play the ball around a little bit, maybe try and create a few chances. But then the second half, they might come out swinging, but hopefully so will we. We don't know. We can sit here and speculate, but I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing at the moment. Like We are still in the early days. We don't necessarily know what a typical Michael Scabala Lincoln City game looks like, do we? We're, we're still like, no. we've, had, we've had two games. We've had one that was very much kind of a, a hangover from the previous uh from yeah. the previous era and i think we're starting to see the shoots of it uh you know we started to see that on tuesday night i think the fact that um you know like i said rob you know rob was at the game and he, he texts me says that they he was screaming at the strikers to press for the entire game mm-hmm. so if that's what he's you know if that's what he's wanting you know for for you know go off on the front foot make sure that we can you know Defend from the front, I guess, is probably the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. that's the, the best way of putting it. You know, if you if you try and press the ball and, and put the pressure on those defenders as much as you possibly can, it's going to get people out of seats. You know, and it's it's yeah. a bit of a cliched phrase, but it's it's going to work. Um, but one one thing that I did want to say briefly about Barnsley, um, I know that the uh, who is it the minute that they've got uh, their Keeper at the minute is uh, do 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 They've got uh, Ben Killip in goal at the minute, I believe. Um, who is he's currently in for Liam Roberts, um, who he, they've got on loan from Borough, I believe. And it's an area that I actually had a quick chat with Josh about and said to him, "Look, loan goalkeepers. <laughs> you know, it's an area that we've obviously had success in." And I think more and more teams are starting to 
to realize that that is a, a a viable option and a good way forward in League One at the moment. You know, mm. he's been absolutely superb. You've seen some of. The, I think there was a save on the opening day. They basically clawed it out from the inside of the post and managed to put it out for a corner. Mm. Just really, really good stuff. But look, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens on Saturday. Um, I really want to. I, I really want to just see us get three points at home and you know <laughs> carry on this little bit of a run. What I did find quite interesting was, um, I mentioned it earlier, is that the goals scored at home for us and the goals scored away for them is bang on equal. So, so guaranteed draw? It's a one-all draw all over it, isn't it? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, but again, it's something that I've said many times this season already. I'd snap your hand off for the point. I would, yeah, we'll take a point. Be absolutely delighted with it, particularly given that, you know, Barnsley are, what, one point above us and three places? Mm-hmm. Um I would look at the uh, I would look at the table that I normally have, but I have who scored up at the moment, and who scored have us playing twice on Tuesday night. Um, they've got the Orient game down twice, so they've given us six points from that game, um, and have us in sixth in their table. Hey, having played nineteen well, games, I'm sure we will take it, won't we? I mean, um, I'd, don't get me wrong, I'd take it, but yeah, it's um, well. Yeah, to be the, fair, I mean, it, I'm not surprised that it's, that somebody has put us as sort of playing twice on Tuesday night because we've now we've got three Tuesday nights in a row with Cambridge next week, and mm-hmm. then the week after we have got a BSM Trophy fixture. So, oh, I know you, I, you I, did I, a I segue. I, I was good there. I'm proud of myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, as I said, that will. That game will be taking place on Tuesday, the 5th of December, likely to be that date anyway. It will be that week commencing. Uh, we are in draw A. No, yes, we are. We're in draw A of the northern section. So we are guaranteed to be away from home because we were runners-up. And we are going to be facing one of Blackpool, Wrexham, Accrington Stanley, or Wigan Athletic. Now, as somebody that, that goes to... Well, I can't say all away games now because I miss Stevenage, but the majority of away games I will likely be going. I am almost willing to bet any Lincoln fans listening to this right now that it will be Wigan away because we, we play Wigan away the following, the Saturday immediately after that Tuesday night. So guaranteed we'll have to go to the DW Stadium twice in a week because that's just our luck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are the four possible options. We find that out. It is tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. or today as you may be listening. So yep, 24th of November, 6.30 p.m. Sky Sports News Live. The draw will be made. Um, let us know who you'd prefer or, or even if you don't really care because let's be honest, I know not many people do, but it's a chance of silverware for a new manager. So I certainly do. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, let's be honest, the "Quote unquote glamatine." I can't believe I'm saying it. Is is obviously Wrexham, isn't it? You know, we want to want to try and get a spot in that Disney Plus show. Get some of that Ryan Reynolds exposure, as uh, as Andy Holt found you're out. You're just week. you're just saying that because you want to run up to him and ask him to take a photo as Deadpool with you or something crap like that. I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, I have watched the show. It is actually it's quite a good watch. Um, I have I, I have heard. I haven't I haven't watched it myself. Um, yeah, not I mean, because I have anything against it. I just haven't got them around to it. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, obviously they have 
the best of the best doing what they're doing on it. So, uh, yeah. you know, there's going to be a hell of a lot of production value behind it and there will be narratives and all the rest of it. But one thing that I did find unbelievably heartbreaking was that it, it made Ollie Palmer come across as a, a, a human, which, you know, that, that was a strange one. Um, ah, what a man. <laughs> no, to be fair, I didn't mind Ali Palmer. I thought he was all right. It's just, I think some stuff uh, either behind the scenes or when he when he moved on, I think uh, didn't sit right with some people. But look, that's in the past. Let's look ahead to the future. Barnsley visit the bank on Saturday. Let's pack it out because you know Skibala deserves it. Hopefully, we can fill the bank, give him a, a capacity crowd, and show him what we're made of. And uh, hopefully, we can come away with three points. We will see you again on Sunday. And until then, up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.